He flipped one toward the Jedi. Obi-Wan and Anakin could not deflect it with their lightsabers. They would not be able to get close enough. They had exactly six seconds to move out of the way. Obi-Wan reached for the cable line on his belt. He lassoed the detonator and jerked the line, sending it in the opposite direction, back toward the attacker. He saw the attacker bare his teeth in an admiring smile of the Jedi's skill, even as he reached up to catch it in his bare hand. Then he flung it backward, where it detonated harmlessly. The attacker did not have to move. His weapons could be launched from a distance. But Obi-Wan and Anakin had to maneuver through deep snow to get to him. Anakin had his cable line out and was ready to lasso the next detonator. Obi-Wan ran through the snow. The wind had formed deep drifts, and he had to use the force to guide him. He used his lightsaber to melt the snow when it piled up against him. The detonators flew toward them furiously. Occasionally, they could hit one with a rock or lasso one with a cable line. But mostly, the two Jedi had to outrun them. Obi-Wan's legs were beginning to tire from struggling against the snow. He could hear the rasp of Anakin's breath. How long could they keep this up, Obi-Wan wondered. Beside the attacker, Obi-Wan saw steam rising from the snow. He caught a glint of water and realized it was a thermal spring. Anakin, head right, he called to his Padawan. They moved slightly to the attacker's right. Every time they moved, they brought him closer to the spring. Ten detonators left on his belt. Obi-Wan took a chance and leaped, ducking to avoid a detonator headed his way. It exploded, and he felt the shock waves against his skin. He landed on the snow awkwardly and slid down the slope toward his attacker. Anakin leaped in order to land in front of him, blocking his descent. Two detonators headed their way, and Obi-Wan lassoed one and sent it crashing into the other. The two smoking orbs fell into deep snow. The thermal pool, he said to Anakin. Drive him toward it. Anakin nodded. He looked tired. Obi-Wan was too. Yet he knew that beyond their fatigue lay their stamina. When they were close enough, Obi-Wan risked a leap straight at the attacker. He knew he would cause him to back up, and the attacker did. He slid on the ice and fell back, crashing into the spring. The attacker slipped beneath the surface of the water, then emerged, treading water. He shook the hair out of his eyes and gazed at Obi-Wan with a hostile look. Obi-Wan stood at the edge. He held out a hand. You have about ten seconds. Yes. The attacker knew the extreme heat would cause a fusion reaction. The thermal detonators would blow. His eyes were a vivid color, somewhere between silver and lilac. There was a scar on his upper lip. His hair was long and tied back with a silver cord. Come on, Obi-Wan said, keeping his hand steady. We won't hurt you. Not you, but another, the bounty hunter said. If I return to him without you, he will kill me anyway. I will have an easier death this way. You don't know his power. It comes from the pyramid itself. You don't have to return to him, Obi-Wan said. Ah, but he will find me. The bounty hunter closed his eyes. Obi-Wan reached out over the water. You must give up. I cannot, the bounty hunter replied, his eyes still closed. And I must tell you this, neither will he. Obi-Wan leaped into the pool, but it was too late. 
the thermal detonators exploded. Water rose and hit Obi-Wan in the face. He choked and slipped beneath the water, then surfaced, struggling against the waves created by the explosion. Smoke rolled toward him. The smoke cleared. Deep below the clear surface of the water, he saw the bounty hunter's body spiral down, down to a bottomless pool beneath. Chapter 15 Anakin hurried over to the thermal pool. His master had hauled himself out and stood at the edge. The steaming water pooled at his feet, melting the snow. Through the smoke and steam, he could see the sadness on his master's face. The force was strong here. His master was reaching out to it and gathering it around, as though warming himself. Obi-Wan's gaze was far away. Master, are you all right? I'm saying goodbye to a being I did not know, Obi-Wan said softly. The reverence in his tone surprised Anakin. He could have killed you. Yet he did not. There is always a need for grief when a being dies, Padawan. Qui-Gon taught me that. Obi-Wan looked down into the steaming pool. I saw someone take his own life in a pool like this one. It was Xanatos, Qui-Gon's greatest enemy. A being who hated Qui-Gon and who would stop at nothing to destroy him. Still, when he took his own life, Qui-Gon stopped to mourn his life's passing. I will never forget it. Anakin nodded, though he did not understand. His greatest enemy so far in his life had been a slave trafficker named Crane. When he had died, Anakin had not paused to mourn. Far from it. He had rejoiced in his death. It could only be good for the galaxy that such a terrible being had ceased to exist. Something to meditate on in my next session, he thought. I'll add it to the list. The difference between Anakin's thoughts and Obi-Wan's lessons was sometimes more than he wanted to examine. It was a struggle to reconcile them. Why do you think the bounty hunter did that? he asked. That is the crucial question, Obi-Wan said. He preferred to end his life rather than meet his fate with Granta Omega. That should tell us something. It tells us that Omega is very powerful, Anakin said, and very cruel. Yes. But there is more, Obi-Wan said, as though to himself. Anakin wanted to stamp his foot in frustration. What? What are you thinking? But Obi-Wan did not add to his statement. He just looked wise and thoughtful as usual. There must have been six bounty hunters then, Anakin said. He counted them off on his fingers. The bounty hunter with the Stokely stick, Floria and Dane, Maul Arcosite, Telek, Kunti Pereg, and now this one. That makes six. Florian Dane were wrong. Perhaps, Obi-Wan said in the same thoughtful tone. Annoyed, Anakin spun on his heel and trudged off to find Florian Dane. They had gone up the trail and had hiked up a small rise where a space cruiser was nestled in a small hollow. We have a way to get off planet, Floria said excitedly. This must be a ship. Anakin nodded. Who was he? Do you know? Dane shook his head. We were positive there were only four other bounty hunters. It was important for all of us to know exactly how many bounty hunters were involved. We all insisted on that. If Grant Omega had lied to us, 
We wouldn't have been happy. Even Omega wouldn't want beings like Kunti Pereg and Maul Arcasite as enemies. Obi-Wan walked up. It's time to leave Ragoon 6. The best words I ever heard, Floria said with a shiver. Night was falling. Blue shadows smudged the snow. Anakin swung himself aboard the cruiser. He searched the cockpit, then motioned to Obi-Wan. Master, I found something strange. This cruiser belongs to... Hunti Pereg, Obi-Wan finished. Yes, Anakin said. But why is it up here at the peak? Why isn't it the last bounty hunter ship? It is the last one ship, Obi-Wan said. That bounty hunter was Hunti Pereg. I am sure of it. Anakin looked at him, puzzled. Then, who was the bounty hunter with the paralyzed legs? It was not a bounty hunter. It was Granta Omega, Obi-Wan said softly. Anakin was stunned. How do you know? Floria and Day never met him, so they would not recognize him, Obi-Wan said. Even so, he was in disguise. That synth flesh I took for repair of an injury was designed to conceal his face. I realize that now. He does not want us to know what he looked like, because he plans to meet us again. So he wasn't really paralyzed, Anakin said. No, Obi-Wan said. That was also a ruse. He somehow knew that Florian Dane had lied to him. He knew they were trying to trap him. So he came down to see for himself. He needed to be sure. When he saw us, he was. But how would he know we were wearing laser cuffs? Young Padawan, if I can teach you one thing, it is this. Never underestimate an enemy or a friend. <laughs>